Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining me for Alberta's 2023-2024 mid-year fiscal update. It's always a pleasure to release our quarterly financials. Albertans deserve to know how Alberta's economy is doing now and how we expect it to do in future years. It's important information for businesses, families, and communities, and we always aim to deliver clear and detailed updates. In fact, the C.D. Howe Institute has repeatedly recognized our commitment to transparent financial reporting. This year, they gave us their highest score of an A-plus on fiscal transparency across Canada. And we aim to maintain that high score so Albertans know their government is working hard for them. We're keeping our promise to keep our economy moving forward, creating jobs, and boosting business investment. Today's mid-year economic report shows that we're on the right path with our fiscal priorities. Alberta's economy is resilient and our finances are on track. We continue to use our strength today to the benefit of Albertans tomorrow. We're now forecasting a surplus of $5.5 billion for the current fiscal year, which is a $3.2 billion increase from our forecast in Budget 2023. We're projecting that increase even as expense has gone up. That's thanks to a significantly higher amount of revenue that we're forecasting for the year, which is being driven by a number of key factors. Chief among them is our continued economic resilience. We're projecting GDP to rise 2.8% this year, which is in line with our budget 2023 forecast, and we expect to lead the country in economic growth. That's good news, but it's not unexpected given the momentum we continue to see. We've added 78,000 new jobs since the start of the year. That's including more than 68,000 full-time jobs alone. Our employment growth continues to exceed expectations and is up 3.5% year-to-date. That's considerably higher than the 2.3% we forecast at budget. That means more Albertans working, earning, and saving their hard-earned money thanks to the highest average weekly earnings in the country and the lowest overall taxes. Our government will continue to pursue growth in a responsible and sustainable manner. Our new fiscal framework makes sure of it. With year-over-year operating expense growth limited to population growth and inflation, the framework will ensure we have the ongoing capacity to meet the needs of Alberta's growing population. It will allow us to maintain our low-tax, pro-growth environment while building security and stability for the future. We're already making that happen. Business formations remain near record highs. Our energy sector continues to be a driver of jobs and activity. And at the same time, we're seeing growth and diversification in emerging sectors like tech and aviation. We know some things remain beyond our control, and we're aware of the many challenges the current global economy presents. Rising costs, higher interest rates, and general economic uncertainty are weighing on businesses and consumers. We're not immune to these challenges, but we're in a strong position to weather them. Albertans and Alberta's economy are resilient. Our fiscal outlook remains strong, and we fully expect to retain our position as the economic engine of Canada. Our strong economy is also a contributing factor to our higher revenue forecast. We're now projecting revenue of $74.3 billion for the current fiscal year. That's an increase of $3.7 billion from our budget 2023 forecast, and it's up $3.2 billion from the first quarter update I delivered in August. It also includes a $1.8 billion increase in our personal and corporate income tax revenue forecast. 
It's no accident we're seeing this kind of growth. Since our government was elected, we've been steadfastly committed to cutting red tape and keeping taxes low. We're forecasting a decrease in other tax revenue, which includes revenue from the provincial fuel tax. We're projecting it to be $528 million less than at budget. That decrease is almost entirely due to the extension of the fuel tax pause to the end of 2023, a move that's helped keep money in Albertans' pockets. Earlier this year, when we paused the provincial fuel tax, we also made it clear that we would continue to provide relief to Albertans from high fuel costs when oil prices are high. We're keeping our commitment, and from 2024 onward, Albertans will once again save some or all of the provincial fuel tax on gasoline or diesel when WTI is $80 per barrel or higher during each quarter's review period. Although WTI has been below $80 in recent weeks, the fuel tax will be slowly phased back in uh, as defined in the program rules. As such, on January 1st, Albertans will continue to save at least $0.04 per litre in provincial fuel tax. We'll continue to revisit the fuel tax rate quarterly and adjust it based on the price of WTI, but the program ensures Albertans will continue to benefit from lower fuel costs when oil prices are high and we won't compromise the sustainability of Alberta's finances. We're now forecasting WTI to be $79 per barrel over the course of the fiscal year, which is in line with our budget 2023 forecast. We're forecasting bitumen royalties to increase by $1.8 billion from budget, and we expect overall resource revenue to increase $1.3 billion to $19.7 billion this fiscal year. While we continue to manage our expense reasonably, we've made a few necessary revisions to the forecast. We're now projecting expense to be $68.8 billion for the current fiscal year, which is an increase of $481 million from our budget forecast and up $84 million from the first quarter. The increase includes $1.2 billion for disaster and emergency assistance, largely as a result of the unprecedented wildfire season. Over $120 million of contingency remains unallocated and will continue to do whatever it takes to protect Albertans and their property from the threat of unexpected or major emergencies. The expense forecast shows a $319 million increase in operating expense, including increases for enrollment growth, mental health supports, and other programs and services that benefit all Albertans. It's worth noting that our debt servicing costs are also forecast to rise by $309 million, mostly as a result of higher interest rates. That's even as we continue to pay down billions of dollars in debt. It shows why we've made eliminating debt one of our highest fiscal priorities, because that money would be better spent supporting Albertans and Alberta businesses. As we know, there are risks in the global economy that we can't ignore. It's imperative that we use our strength today to ensure prosperity for Albertans tomorrow. Our government remains committed to fiscal discipline and will continue to manage Alberta's finances responsibly. That's why we legislated a new fiscal framework earlier this year. In alignment with the new framework, we'll use at least half of any available surplus cash at the end of the fiscal year to pay down debt. Based on our current forecast, that means we'll eliminate $3.2 billion in debt in 23-24. It's important to note that that's a projection and that amount is subject to change as the year unfolds. Nonetheless, paying off that debt will significantly reduce the debt burden on Albertans today and into the future. We're also forecasting an allocation of $1.6 billion to the Alberta Fund, an important part of our fiscal framework. 
The government's long-term savings account is the Heritage Fund. I'm pleased to report the fund is now valued at $21.4 billion, up slightly from the end of last fiscal year. The fund has managed to maximize long-term returns and is weathering the current unpredictable investment market well. Before I close, I'd like to remind Albertans that the budget 2024 consultations are now open. Uh, I encourage everyone to take the online survey and join one of my telephone town halls in December. I look forward to hearing Albertans' priorities for your families and your communities so that we can work together on our path to a prosperous future. Thanks. I'll now turn it over to Savannah to start the Q&A. Thanks, everyone. Just a reminder, if you can state your name and record, or name and outlet for the record, that'd be great. And one question, one follow-up. If you can raise your hand, let me know, and we'll start with those in the room. Matt, go ahead. Uh, Matthew Black, Edmonton Journal. Um, when we were here in August, you were uh, indicated we might get some more details on the Dynalife buyout. Uh, nothing in there today. Uh, how come? Uh, I actually thought I would have some clarity on that when I answered that question in August, uh, but at this time I don't have it. I would suggest you ask health. Um, we we probably will get some clarity moving forward, but I haven't even we haven't even began the budget process. I haven't I haven't I have, don't have a don't have anything to provide you. I'll have to go to health. Are you concerned at all that that might punch a hole in the surplus a little bit? Uh, no, because I do I am I am in conversations all the time about health pressures, and so I I don't I haven't had that conversation, and that's a big one for uh, Minister Lagrange. So I'm sure it's being contained within their budget. Great, thanks, Janet. Uh, yeah, Janet from CBC. Um, so the in the platform, the USP platform, there was this promise, and it was in the throne speech as well, of uh, 8% income tax bracket for earners under $60,000 per year. We haven't seen a bill uh, yet for that, but yet in the UCP platform, there is a line item for 23-24 for this tax cut of $262 million. So when are we going to see that bill tabled, and what tax year will it take effect? Uh it's a great question, and it's something we're completely committed to. Uh, you know, the Premier's given me um, and our team at Treasury Board, you know, the discretion to to have that have that conversation. It's difficult to um, see how it will impact the out years until we get into Budget 2024. So I think the discussion will, will start now, but as to the specific year it will, implementation will begin, that decision hasn't been made. Okay. But it's it's in my mandate to complete within the mandate, not within the first year, obviously. Right. Uh, the Alberta Fund, we heard that there's, well, you said $1.6 billion going in, up to $2 billion by the year after. But we heard in the tech briefing that there's no plan yet for this money. So, so what is your vision for how that money might be used and when? Well... I would I would probably get outvoted. I think what they want to say is they're trying to show that, you know, that's that's a plausible scenario considering where the surplus is forecasted, that half has to go to debt repayment, the other half therefore goes into the Alberta fund. Um, as you know, it can be used for further debt repayment, investment in the heritage fund or, or one-time spends, but those are decisions that haven't been made. I think that would be, it would very much involve the Premier and the rest of Cabinet. If I had my vote, I would probably continue to pay down debt because I'd, I'd, the debt servicing costs do uh, do concern me. But there's obviously a lot of other good things that can be done in Alberta and address some of these pressures. Okay, next question. Catherine, yeah, Alberta Today. Um, so you mentioned this debt. We're up against these economic headwinds, and I was looking at the debt maturity coming down the line. What's what's your plan to to tackle some of that maturity maturing debt? 
Well, that's that's why I feel it's so important. It's it's a great question. I don't think Alberta's ever faced having to refinance uh, debt stacks like you're alluding to. I believe the numbers are seven and a half billion in this fiscal year, six the next, and then thirteen thirteen point two in the twenty five twenty six year. Um, our last debt bond offering was uh, came in at an all in cost to Alberta of four point six percent. That's um, that's refinancing debt that was, uh, and this is this will just be close, but somewhere in and around two percent. So the the delta change on that, if you take a take a billion dollars, we're talking about forty six million dollars per billion to service that going forward when it was just at twenty million. So you can see how dramatic that can be to our debt servicing costs. How do we address it? We use the fiscal rules. We limit our operational spending. We pay down what we can in the good years, and we we uh, hope there's hope hope there's a lot of good years. You know, that's this is the challenge. Like in our first term, when oil was negative two dollars and the capital markets were frozen, like there will be times when this province needs to borrow. So we need to ensure that in the good years we pay down some principal. I know, and I'm not sure that Albertans widely understand that. There's no way to pay down principal without having a surplus. Otherwise, we're only paying interest and we're just rolling it over and refinancing. Just like everyone that's had to refinance their mortgage, it's a, it's a big challenge. And then in terms of the timeline for a decision on how the Alberta fund will get used, uh, what, what does that timeline look well, I think you have to get to the end of the fiscal year to know what exactly what's in the Alberta fund. But I think there could be, um, you know, I'm just musing here. There, there, it could be involved in in budget or after budget. Um, but like I said, none of those decisions have have been made. Okay, next one. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Sarah Comedina with Global News. Uh, looking at the contingency fund, a lot of money was spent, and you know, now we're left with 123 million, and there's still time. Uh, so. How is that managed or? <laughs> great, great question. No, and this, this is um, the fiscal rules. There's always, there's always a different part of the rules that will uh, kind of apply constraint depending on the given year. The, the contingency is definitely the, the rule that's, that's providing constraint right now. Um, $1.5 billion contingency, $1.2 billion already spent basically on, you know, disasters and emergency programming. Uh, wildfire is a big part of that, uh, but also two disaster relief programs with the federal government, one for fire, one for flood, and the recently announced ag recovery program. So it's tight. Um, we've we've allocated some money to uh, K-12 education for uh, enrollment growth. Uh, health has had pressures where we've, we've had to increase their budget in year. Um, so it's, it's, it's tight. That's the answer. Um, we'll continue to monitor. Um, I think one thing that we have uh, in the flexibility of a $70 billion budget is that, you know, there will be lapses. There will be lapses in people's budgets. It's impossible to spend over your budget without coming to Treasury Board. So we may see some relief um, as, the, as we get closer into the end of the year. You may see reprofiling in the, in the capital plan that provides relief. So... That's that's where we're at. 
And when it comes to affordability in the province, I know there is uh, four cents, uh, at least four cents we'll see in January, but is there any other efforts being made to address affordability affordability issues here in Alberta with so many people struggling? Well, I think the, a lot of the reason why the, the out years get tight is because of the affordability measures that we've taken on. You know, indexing all the social programs, indexing the basic personal exemption, which is already the highest in the country. So that that work continues to help every Albertan, and not to mention the tax advantage that we have over every other jurisdiction. Uh, so we'll do what we can to keep their taxes low. I think that's the number one cost to, to any family, and that's 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 our commitment. If there's other things that can be done, they they will be. But that's that's the big picture. Okay, Alana, go ahead. Uh, Alana Smith, Globe and Mail. I just wanted to ask you again about the contingency fund. As I understand, it's it's more so supposed to be used as like a cushion, right? Something goes bad, and then you use the contingency fund. With wildfires, like. It seems like that's going to be an annual thing where it's going to happen over and over and over again. Yeah. Is there conversations on moving that sort of spending outside of a contingency fund into a different part of it? Oh, it's a great question. I, I was forestry minister for a hot second there. And um, I think you, you always you always wonder about how funding lines happen. And historically, within this province, it's dealt with fire has a, I would consider um, a fairly low budget, and then they moved into contingency. Part of that was so they could always monitor, but only only pay for exactly what was needed. They didn't create escalation that was unwarranted because the years are so different. But I think your your comment's very valid. Um, I'm expecting probably the forestry minister uh, in this budget is going to ask to have their budget increased. Um, I hope we're able to. And so, to be clear, if, if then it would go that way, and that contingency could be used for other things. Certainly, the, yeah. Okay, uh, we'll take one more question from the room, then we're going to head to the phones. Anyone in the room? Shailen, go ahead. Yeah, just one. Uh, for a colleague, how do you justify massive increases in total expenses after saying your government would be more financially responsible than others? Um, what massive increases in operational expenses? Oh, just in expenses, uh, generally over oh, about half a billion, 481 well, I'd say considering there's still money in the contingency and the $1.2 of it was spent on disasters, I'd say we're doing well holding to the original budget. If anything, um, I would remind people that this, this was a big budget. Budget 23 was a, 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 large, a, large, a large budget with a lot of things in it. So to stay within it this year, that's, that's what we're trying to get our, our ministers and ministries to do. Do you have a follow-up? No. Okay, we'll go ahead to the phones. Operator, can you please put through the caller? Jonathan Bradley, Western Standard. Hello, Minister Porter. Thank you for taking my question. You spoke about the fuel tax and the way it's going to be done, so it's going to be phased in at first for the first three months uh, for cent discount. When can people expect uh, the fuel tax to be fully reinstated? So the the uh, fuel tax abatement will expire December 31st. So January 1st, 2024, the fuel tax will be back on. The way the program works is they, they look backwards into the, the quarter previously at the average price of WTI. So we we know with enough certainty with the, where the price of oil has been, it's likely to be under $80 Um within this within this quarter it's at 75 today 
Um, so the the way the program works, it can't go in. It, it can't be reinstated at thirteen and a half cents. It can only be reinstated at nine cents. That's kind of a a smoothing mechanism. So that's what we expect to see January first. Okay. And my second question is: a large portion of the revenue coming in comes from resource uh, royalties, and obviously with resources, you know the prices can fluctuate. Um, what strategies are you planning on? Do you plan on pulling through on to try to shift Alberta off of resource revenue uh, given its buffer Yeah, well, I think I think you are you are seeing it. We're seeing increases in, in corporate income tax uh, and personal tax. We're blessed to have have these resources that that you mentioned, and we know that there's um, things that that can help. We're still expecting. Uh, line fill and TMX. It's probably second quarter 2024. We had hoped it would be first quarter, but it's likely second quarter. We think that'll help not only with takeaway capacity, but it should narrow the differential uh, substantially going forward. So we we have things like that. The premier's, you know, she's going to COP to de- defend Alberta's, you know, resource industry and and tell our story that we're accomplishing these things while, you know, being environmentally sustainable. I think the Dow investment yesterday really, really speaks to that. Uh, largest investment we've seen in like 15 or 16 years in the province. Um, six and a half billion U.S. CapEx. So uh, keep telling our story and doing the work and, and budgeting accordingly. It, it, it provides us the ability to have this $20 billion tax advantage on everyone else. Great. Thanks. Operator, please put through the next caller. Emmanuel Prince, Radio Canada. Hi, Minister. Um, from my understanding of your uh, update, uh, you basically underestimated the income from tax revenue and resource royalty in your budget, uh, which created a surprise surplus. But how do you explain that your projections were so far from what actually happened not having a crystal ball, I guess, you know, I, it's very tough, especially right now to, to forecast oil. I think we have, we have one of the great, great, uh, our chief economist here in Alberta is she's amazing. Um, one of the best in the country. Um, we consistently forecast better than the banks almost across the board, whether it's GDP or, or, um, oil. But I, I'd, I'd say that's, you know, there's obviously a lot of geopolitical, um, instability, you know, there's fears of, uh, um, you know, demand, recession potentially in, in Asia and Europe. So there's so many things, you know, weighing on, on the cost. Uh, we try not to chase it and, and move it much. We try to make our forecast and, 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 uh, and hold, hold to it unless the evidence really shows us, uh, otherwise. Uh, where we're at now, we're at about a 79, uh, $79 barrel in our forecast. We did move that from, we started at 79, we went to 75, we're back to 79 now. Um, currently WTI is at around 76. Uh, the differential is about $23. There's some other things that are contributing to that. There's some, some turnarounds and some maintenance being done on uh, refineries that mostly take heavy, our, our WCS products. So some of that should um, abate in the in the time to come, but 
Back to your question about this surplus and is it a surprise? I think uh, on the corporate income tax side, I think you've seen it. Um, last year was a very strong year. We've seen uh, corporate income tax returns remain strong, st- um, stronger than forecasted. Uh, personal income tax um, speaks largely to, uh, you know, the influx of people. That's that's fairly direct to the, the population influx we're seeing. And on the NRR front, even though oil's been fluctuating, the diff's been wide, um, there's pieces of that, um, especially liquids and, and condensate, have provided uh, a lot of unexpected uh, uh, revenue. So it's... It's complicated. We don't have a crystal ball. We have a great team, and we're uh, adjusting as we go. Great. Operator, next caller. I have a thought. Oh, sorry, Emmanuel. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, thanks for the answer. Uh, my follow-up is about the fuel tax. Since the government uh, enacted a freeze about a year and a half, a bit more than a year and a half ago, the government has always had surpluses. So what's the point of bringing back a tax and a tax burden on Albertans when you already have a surplus? Um, well, great question. I guess it's because I'm worried that we, we won't if I, if we don't respond prudently. Um, there's, there's pressures that, that we can see that, uh, keep me up at night and, and they're not all, they're not all in this forecast because they can't be, they haven't happened yet, but I'll give you, we've already talked about the debt servicing costs and the, the amount of maturing debt uh, in the in the out years, uh, that's going to be substantial. Uh, we also have uh, public sector bargaining that's going to uh, begin um, very soon. Um, the unionized public service now, it's about $19 billion of a $70 billion budget. So you can... You know, quickly do the math to to calculate. Uh, you know what what the impact could be there. So there's things that I I'd like to get uh, some more clarity on uh, myself and our team uh, in the out years. And uh, you know if we're if we're able and think it's prudent to provide more relief to Albertans, we'd be happy to. But I would say that you know why this policy was so defensible when it was built is when when oil's lower, gas is cheaper. When oil's higher, gas is more expensive. People will. And you've, you've probably seen seen that now. So we we think it's defensible. It provides a way that in the in the good times, uh, Albertans uh, see relief from a resource that's theirs. Um, but yeah, we need we need the revenue. Okay, great. Operator, next caller, please. Dave Lessenberg, shooting three. Good afternoon, Mr. Minister. If you uh, have to reinstate the fuel tax relief program after uh, January 1st, would it hurt or hamper the projected surplus in any way? Uh, not, not in this, not in this fiscal year. Not these, not these projections. So the, uh, well, let me think about that. It, it, I guess it, it potentially could, um, but. It would be offset by an increase in oil revenue that would outweigh it. So we would we would still be net positive, uh, but it would have an impact. Follow-up question. Uh, I believe in your last fiscal update in August, you referred to a construction boom. I don't know if you used the word boom, but what impact does new housing and construction have maybe on any new revenue projections? Oh, it certainly will. Like it speaks to a you know a growing economy across the board. Um, something that we saw was, um, 
you know, a little delay, uh, and it probably was everything from interest rates to, to labor to even, even supply chain, um, issues with materials, but, um, very pleased to see you know, housing starts last month, historic high in Alberta. Um, so the, the market, the market is responding to the, to the call. Uh, great to see and, and hope it continues. Great. Thank you. Operator, please put through the next caller. Tim Burch, DCV. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. I just want to go back to affordability measures for, for one second here. Um, you know, we, we have these massive surpluses. I understand that the government agrees that paying down debt is extremely important, but what do you say to the Albertans out there, the low to medium income Albertans who maybe don't drive, who can't take advantage of these, these fuel tax uh, changes? What do you say to them uh, about affordability measures and, and making their lives easier right now in such a, a tough financial time? Well, this this government or myself borrowing more at 5% uh, won't help any Albertan now or in the future. Um, I think, like I mentioned, uh, we indexed all of the social programming. We indexed the basic personal exemption, which is the highest of any province. Um, those things remain. Um, and we're, we're committed to, to keeping this tax advantage. It, it, the only way to do that is through, you know, prudent management on the operational expense side. Uh, but I would just, I'd make clear to those Albertans, you know, there's things, um, we've seen electricity prices come down, uh, 30% since the peak in the summer. We're expecting, uh, more relief in the market, um, in, uh, I think second quarter 2024, um, that will obviously be helpful, um, but we're we're focused on keeping people's taxes low. It's the number one expense most Albertans and Albertan families pay, and like I said, it's it's indexed, and that that gap between the other provinces is growing. But one more thing, you said a huge surplus, and I want to correct you. These aren't huge surpluses. This isn't eleven and a half billion. Uh, this isn't us paying down thirteen point three billion in one year. Um, with as volatile as the world is, and as as the previous uh, caller mentioned, and forecasting, you know, you you need to be forecasting a decent sized surplus to have you know the the decent chance of landing it. I'd say. Tim, do you have a follow up? Yeah, thank you very much. My second one, just a little bit more broad. I mean, I understand that. Kind of the, the next projection say that the economy will expand, but at somewhat of a slower rate uh, in the coming months, in the next year. Can you just explain to Albertans, you know, what they should expect to see economically moving forward, uh, and, and maybe how, how much steadier we're expecting Alberta's economy to be than, than other provinces? Well, I think if you saw the Fed's fall economic statement, I think. Um, I think you'd agree with me that Alberta's economy is is showing to be resilient uh, currently, and like we say, the the expected forecasts on on GDP, um, housing, uh, any metric you want to choose, population is is in Alberta's favor and shows growth. Um, I, I found the Fed's statement alarming. It, it makes me, you know, we're we're not immune as as I said in my speech to these challenges, but relatively we're well positioned. But when you see what the Feds came out with, uh, 
Um, I think it was $11.5 billion increase um, in their debt servicing costs, um, another $4 billion in spending. Um, but the, the most uh, troubling thing was a decrease in corporate income tax revenue of $14.5 billion. Uh, so I think Alberta's well-positioned. Um, things like Dow... Uh, some of the other major projects, I think, speak to that. But uh, I am worried. I'm worried about um, ensuring that we have a competitive environment, uh, honestly, across across the country. I think it should be a should be a focus. Operator, next question, please. Graham Thompson, the Star. Uh, thank you, Minister. I know I'm a bit of a broken record on this. Um, you know. In 2019, there was a blue ribbon panel looking at how Alberta's tax spending tried to pay. Talk about having another blue ribbon panel on on the revenue side. Um, so I'm wondering, is that still something on the agenda? Is there something you want to do? Have a panel look at how Alberta could look at maybe altering or changing or improving somehow the revenue side. Well, you're a broken record, Graham, but so am I. Um, I have the same answer I've gave you a few times. I I believe it's a good idea. Um, I'm unsure of the timing. You know, right now we're committed to the fiscal framework, and um, and proving to Albertans that we can we can manage the budget effectively uh, through controls on our operational spending um, and and debt management. Um, I do honestly, I do think it's it's a question that we we should have in front of Albertans. But as to timeline. Uh, I have many things in my mandate. That wasn't one of them. But I, I, in my opinion, yeah, it's something that we sh- we should do sometime. Have that conversation with Albertans. And okay, follow up. So you say sometime. You're thinking it's during this mandate before the next election. Is that something you're looking at? Uh, I I wouldn't rule it out, Graham. But uh, you know, some of those some of those decisions uh, wouldn't be mine to to be made. But it probably would depend on where we sit. You know, if uh, it may not be a priority, if we're if we're managing the finances appropriately, and uh, you know, maybe that maybe there's other things that we're more concerned about. But uh, like I said, I do I do think it's a good idea. Operators, anyone else in the queue? There are no other questions in the queue at this time. Okay, I'm gonna loop back to the room to see if there's any additional questions. Yeah, Jenna, go ahead. Public services. So. I think what inevitably we're going to hear from some critics today is that um, there's a philosophical difference, right, where you're wanting to use any or much of surplus to pay down debt, not just because of the law, but, I mean, your government made the law. Uh, Some people would argue, you know, we've got classrooms that folks say are underfunded, that there's still, you know, you're still lining up at the emergency room for 10 hours. People feel like maybe their age payments aren't enough. What would be your argument um, philosophically for why you think the debt repayment has to be a priority above bolstering public services to a quality level people had previously experienced? Well, I guess I'm working backwards in this role from you know what we what we see in the revenue line. Um, we're controlling our operational expense. Um, if you want to make that argument just about, you know, I guess, um, priorities, 
um, I think you also have to tell us how you'd fund it. Like if you're going to make that claim in one hand, you might as well say there's a tax increase coming and here, here's what it is. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm expecting that um, enrollment pressures will be a priority in Budget 24. Um, health, you mentioned health care. Um, health care costs continue to escalate. Like more, more funding maybe doesn't mean a better outcome. I would make that claim. Um, so I think we continue to fund the things, the things in your question that would be important to that person, healthcare education, they, they have the lion's share of this budget, like in a large way, if we're, if we're talking about funding the priorities, they are to the, to the extent that they, um, honestly take away from every other priority. So I think you you move forward and you you fund you fund those things in a way that that you can afford them that's part it's a, it's a simple take but i guess that's it's mine okay we have time for one more question Catherine? Yeah, yeah um so um similar to um how it's it's very dry and so we could potentially expect some problems with wildfires i'm wondering is there anything that you're looking at for agriculture? Since, I mean, whether it's flooding or drought, you know, the, there's always something um, challenging agricultural producers. Is there anything that we can do baseline rather than the emergency like agri-recovery? Well, I think, like, long-term, in, in my opinion, I think water management should be an absolute key priority of this government and the next one and the next one. Like, I, I think we need to have... Um, a real eye towards province building when it comes to managing our water. You know, I, I don't think we've we've done enough in that regard. I hope I hope we can pursue some of those things, but that is very long term. Um, short term, you know, we we have the Canadian Agriculture Partnership. Um, it's a new new deal uh, signed when I was in that role, two and a half billion dollars. Um, the feds obviously control a lot of how that that money's rolled out. Um, but it's, it's a challenge. Like I would expect, um, I haven't seen this number from the ag ministry yet, but knowing what I've seen out there, I would expect the crop insurance fund to be probably depleted. Um, I don't know if that's happened since 2001, but I would not be surprised if it is this year. Um, obviously I don't know that. So you might want to follow up with AFSC or the ag minister, but, um, when that happens, there's statutory requirements between us and the feds uh, to to kickstart the fund again, and then it does its thing. Um, but so we we know those challenges are coming. So long term, control the water. Um, short term, deal with the programming that we have. Great, thanks everyone. That concludes our press conference for the day.